0: Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, the KINS5 podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I am KINS5 digital producer Jackson Floyd, and joining me today, man, we've got the, the big three here with me here uh, David Flores, Evan Klosky, Tom Petrini. Welcome, welcome, guys. How's, how's everyone been?
1: Thank you for, for inviting me.
0: Yeah, yes. I, I, I feel like the gang had to get all together because you know we're the Big Fundamental Podcast. We're going to do some talking about the big fundamental himself, Tim Duncan, uh, uh, a historic, a memorable weekend, something that we, I think we knew was coming. Uh, but, yeah, Tim Duncan selected to the 2020 class NBA Hall of Fame, a uh, basketball Hall of Fame, I guess, not just
1: NBA. But.
2: Yeah, and this was fairly inevitable, right? I mean, we knew this was coming day one, and we knew it was going to be Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett. I mean, you even mix in Rudy Tomjanovich, which – is going to make Greg Popovich happy because maybe we can start asking him when he's going to allow himself to be entered into the Hall of Fame. He refused until Rudy was put in. So now that that's happening, maybe we can finally talk to Pop about that. But even factor in, like, Kim Mulkey, I mean, this, along with 99 when MJ got in with Stockton and the Admiral, along with 1980, I mean, uh, arguably, this is definitely the top two classes ever entering the Hall of Fame and and arguably the best ever.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good, well-rounded. Besides having
2: the star power,
1: obviously, and, and, and uh, productivity uh, that you have at the top three, it's also very good. I mean, uh, you know, you've got Tamika Catchings, who was a, my gosh, yeah. what, she went four gold medals. Then you have Eddie Sutton, who I forgot, almost forgotten about. He's 84 years old. Mm-hmm. This was the seventh time to be a finalist. And he got in. And, of course, Rudy T. So it's just uh, from top to bottom, just a just a great, great class. Jeez. Yeah.
3: And, you know, of course, Tim Duncan ever humble was talking about how, you know, proud he was to be a, a part of a class like that. Um, you know, he, he said that, and he mentioned that class with Stockton and Jordan and the Admiral and just getting to be a part of basketball history and, mm-hmm. you know, the legends of the game. Um, it was, it was weird. We, we don't, we don't see Tim Duncan reflect on his place in basketball history. And he he did that. The you know, we all expected him to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, obviously, but um, you know, still it becoming official, I we we did see a little a little more of that reflection out of him than we we're, we're maybe used to.
0: Uh, what, what stood out to me was when I think it was Reese Davis who asked him, hey man, did you ever feel like you're underappreciated in your career? Like at this moment, looking back, do you ever feel like you, you were underappreciated? And he was like, no, man, it all came back to the goal. And the goal was to be the best to win. And because they won five championships with him, because he was what an 18 time all star, three time finals MVP, two time NBA MVP. He didn't feel underappreciated that that's what it was all about for him was the winning and the accolades not the the talk on t v
1: yeah all about the winning and the, the thing that that was uh about him too that was uh I'm a little different he's a very cerebral player you know last week when I talked to his college coach Dave Odom he said you know he's like, he was always very cerebral even as a as a, co- as a as a college kid I was moved because I don't I think we all noticed it. His voice caught a little bit early you know uh, when I interviewed him you know when I, when I asked him uh, you know he he was he got emotional which is not like him he's always very very stoic at all but then later on in in the in the video that they shared the Spurs shared with us that they took here in San Antonio you know he talked about the journey you know he says he, uh, I, I was struck by that say yeah we, you know we won the championships it was great had great teammates both of the highlights had to be the championships but it was also the losses. It was all, he used the word regrouping. It was regrouping and going to guys and get them to come, you know, to, you know, get, getting them come back, back up, you know, and stuff. And that was, uh, that was memorable too. So he said it was a journey, you know, it was a heck of a journey. And that's, that's this vintage, vintage Tim Duncan. He was very cerebral.
2: Guy. Yeah. And you mentioned the question that Reese Davis asked when it was talking about being underappreciated. It wasn't so much about being underappreciated by anyone in San Antonio. You know, this city appreciates Tim Duncan and knows how valuable Tim Duncan is, was, uh, has always been. Uh, It's always been everybody on the outside because Tim Duncan is never this loud personality. His resume is extremely loud and that speaks for him. But on the court, I mean, we even hear uh, Kevin Garnett, you know, a a few months ago talked in an interview just about how he had to stop talking smack to Tim Duncan because A – it didn't work, and b it was throwing it off throwing him off his own game and 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 Tim Duncan just methodically just went through opponents and I think when you look back on his career, one of the the big things that stood out from his playing career is of course, how dominant he was in the game for about ten to twelve years there, but then, in that kind of lull where the spurs weren't you know winning championships he figured out a new role and then uh it was the the year that they lost to the Clippers in seven was just like his his last hurrah kind of I know technically he played one more year after that and that was his swan song but the year he put in right before retiring that that last season of his was an unbelievable season for a dude at his age it was like I looked at those numbers. I'm like, this is crazy. Like he still was able to average two blocks. He was, still he was the best player, uh,
1: Evan. I think that season he was the best first player or the most consistent. You know, in, in that series, I think he was the most consistent player. And if not for a Chris Paul one-legged fadeaway shot, the Spurs win that series. And who knows? You know, I don't think they would have won a championship, but they might have. They might have gone, uh, you know, a little further and stuff. But you know, I was another thing that, that really, when you stop to think about his career, I think about. Obviously, you think of the technical side of it, how, how great he was as a player and all that. But you know the thing that was said a lot the other day during that uh, the ESPN thing that we all know about that, is that and it's almost cliche, but I call it kind of like the Larry Bird thing, is that uh, he was a great teammate. He made everybody else – like I said, it's cliche, but you know, he made everybody uh, around him better. And and he was just a great teammate, so much so that I laughed with a friend. I said, man, one thing about Tim, he'll throw anybody a bone. He even mentioned – we were talking about – Learning from David Robinson and, and all the different players, and he says, and Vinny Del Negro, Vinny Del Negro, <laughs> Vinny Del Negro. I said, "What the heck, Vinny Del Negro?" And I said, "Boy, he's he's very magnanimous." We were just, I got a kick out of that, man. I said, don't ever whatever would be said, that he doesn't share the wealth," you know. Yeah. Well, I'll your respect to Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I wh- one of my favorite Tim Duncan things uh, is the story about him like coaching up other teams' rookies while yeah. they were playing uh and like like teaching teaching an opponent a post move just like here kid this is how i do it like next time get your shoulder into me a little bit more uh and and that was something from that interview that you pulled evan uh with with joe at the Mm -hmm. draft with him uh and joe was like do you think you can be like a nice guy superstar like you know david robinson and and these other guys grand hill yeah Yeah, and he was, he was like, yeah, I mean, that's who I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to not do that just because people think that that is, like, a weakness.
2: Like, yeah, it was crazy because uh, I dug into the archives all weekend long. I mean, I was living with dust bunnies essentially from Saturday and Sunday and just finding all those old-school interviews. But, A, the foreshadowing on that one-on-one with Joe in Charlotte when he got drafted, he was so much so the same guy that played throughout his career – uh, you know, even go back to Greg Popovich, if you bookend it, to the retirement press conference when Pop's nearly crying about how Tim's late father told Pop, you better make sure he's the same guy uh, when he leaves the game as as I'm leaving him to you. And that's exactly what, what Tim was. I mean, it just, he's such, unique means one of a kind, and I rarely use that word, but he is a unique superstar. And that's what I tried to, to put into words kind of uh, over the weekend when he got in, because it is so hard to find a guy as dominant as he was who hid in plain sight, which was a quote also used by Popovich in the retirement press conference. So it just it, – it, 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 we can go through the numbers it, 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 phenomenally and one of the best careers of all time, unequivocally a, a top 10 player in the sport. But it's just – it's the way that he went about his business. And I don't know if we're going to see that ever again – uh, because it is so hard to find a dude not caught up in everything that 's going on, all the distractions, the social media yeah. the, no. the 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 countless amount of money you can make elsewhere, and then you yeah. know, not not jump and ship to it to a new team you yeah. know and you,
1: and you hate to say that you never say never uh evan but I, I agree with you, but also can we agree here but I like to see uh, let 's think about that that there will uh, I don't think there's ever going to be because of the one and done, the culture, and all that. But even back then, guys were leaving early. Tim Duncan stayed four years in college. Yeah, and you know we're not talking about ancient history. Nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, it's a while back, but it's guys were already going straight to the pros back then. Or mm-hmm. played one year of college and they were gone. And then here he is. He stayed. He stayed four years, and he was so ready. I mean, he he, he was so ready. And then one thing I, I want to before I forget is that one thing that popped that his eyes would always get a little teary would and he mentioned it when they retired his jersey, is that he, he was the Spurs way. I mean, he, he embodied the Spurs way. And the thing is, when you, like Pop has always said on more than one occasion, when you can chew out your top star, you know, your, your top player, and he takes it. And, and, and he, and he takes, it, you know, takes it to heart. Well, what does that tell the, the number two to the 12 guy? They say, oh, well, well, if he's taking it. So and I, and he's, he's always said, and I always thanked him for letting me coach the team. He could have very easily... You know, Bill, you know, hey, come on, I'm, I'm the big guy and stuff. But but to think of that, he played four years. That guy was so ready when he came to the NBA. He was ready to play. I mean, you know, he's yeah. been
0: through it. And, David, poetically to that point, the two guys he's going in with came out of high school, you know. Uh, yeah, just it is. Just the contrast there. And there's been a lot of comparisons to Duncan and Garnett and Kobe Bryant uh, throughout this whole conversation, who had the better career, who, you know, who, who is the best uh, hall of famer from this group. Uh, but the thing that stands out to me is kind of what Evan was getting back to. It's the consistency. It's the, the, I mean, the dur- duration he did this, I mean, it's almost two decades of greatness, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, throughout that time, there's gonna be plenty of memories that stand out to you guys, yeah. moments that Duncan had throughout his career. If you had to pinpoint one thing and there might be some overlap here, uh, I, I might dive into some, some deeper thing, uh, depending on what you guys go on, but what's the, what's the Tim Duncan memory that Hands up to you guys.
2: I'm just going to go quickly first, sort of as the the outsider here, and um, it's it's the '03 season, and but most notably that the, the faux quadruple double that I'm going to let Tom go in on in just a <laughs> second. But from start to finish of that year, just how dominant he was, and then also completely thrashing the net. I mean, like, his his final stat line was just absolutely absurd. I mean, and back then when teams actually played defense and, like, scores were fairly low and, and teams still sort of play defense in the playoffs now. But r- regardless, just when you think back to that season and that final series, I mean, that was really peak Tim Duncan. I, like, that was just a monster that you could not control.
3: If we're talking about... Like his, his peak talent as a player on the court? Probably yes. Um, a lot of people who try to diminish Tim Duncan will say, oh, he had the coach, he had the superstar teammates. David Robinson was, you know, that was, that was his last year. Uh, Tony got pulled for Speedy Claxton in that game. Uh, I, I think he and Manu combined to shoot like two of 12 or something in that game. Uh, and Tim Duncan carried that team the whole way. Um, it, was, it was the end of one era. It was the start of another, but the constant was Tim Duncan. He, like, and Tim Duncan was the two eras combined, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, that, that 2003 game six, um, there have only been five recorded quadruple doubles in NBA history. David had one. Elajuan uh, had two. Uh, f- for him to essentially do that in an NBA Finals clinching game, I mean that that's that's up there with the greatest championship-winning performances in sports. That, yeah. like like forget basketball, forget modern in sports history for somebody to to do what he did there, uh, and it, it goes back to Pop's quote about him, uh, you know, he's like, it's simple. I run the offense through Tim Duncan, I run the defense through Tim Duncan. Like <laughs> yeah. like that I was having that conversation with one of my friends, like, you know, what would Pop's legacy be without Tim Duncan? Uh, <laughs> it's true.
2: You know, and that's a funny thing is looking back, um I think a lot of people use Pop or Tim as a crutch for each other's argument, right? Like Tim had Pop. Pop had Tim. But right. both of them together combined powers to make something that was beautiful. What would Phil Jackson be without Kobe and Shaq and Michael Jordan? I mean, right. that's just oh, yeah. the way that it happens. It's the ability to handle star power. We can go through a litany of stars in this league that have not thrived, that have not had the right situation. It, you need a combination of things to come together. And Tim would have been very successful wherever he went, I you know pop would have figured something out with Manu and Tony alone, but having both of them together was taking an exceptional coach and an exceptional talent and making something that was a dynasty for nineteen years
1: I also think though more so than than uh, uh, phil jackson and and the, all the players he coached is that tim had a it was a kinship uh, they, they were kindred spirits he and pop they really they weren't really a lot of like you know pop doesn't like a lot of the frills and 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 the glitz and all this kind of stuff and and, and you know tim tim's the same way and he and, and uh uh we, we i remember one time we asked him uh uh what does he think of the way uh pop m- treats the media sometimes and and he kind of laughed and he says oh i think it's it's funny he started laughing and stuff i think it's funny the way he, he, he treats you guys i'm going to just uh, put in my, my two cents worth as far as the greatest i'm going to I'm going to uh, take the easy route. I'm going to take the the whole of the 2014 season because he, they were driven after what had happened the year before, you know, losing that game six. And then they turned right around and almost won game seven and stuff. And then they come back and I've never, ever, ever seen a team at any level at any sport be as committed and as driven as as that team was. And it all started with, with, uh, you know, Tim Duncan. I mean, because, Geez, in 2013, you could. There was a a pall over this city that was cast over this city when they lost to the, uh, uh, you know, to Miami, and it was uh, there was a funk that was here for months. And then these guys came along, and uh, unbelievable the way the, the way they they
2: came back and won the championship. Un- unbelievable. And, and just to interject on that a little bit, because Flores, of course, if you go back to 2013, a lasting legacy of Tim could have been that missed little bunny, right? In 2013, yep, right there. But, but to his credit, the next year, as you said, which was so important, having like just completely overrunning that memory by the absolute dominance. And for, for some people maybe too young to remember, but LeBron D Wade Bosch were just the absolute story then. And the big three and and obviously Allen came on and just the fact that they pretty much ended the big three era by themselves with how, they crushed them it was like no doubt they left zero doubt in that series oh, that was it was so just doubt. Uh, was just a perfect way for tim never to be remembered for anything negative i mean yeah. even even career wise like there is no there is no lasting image of him losing it like he was on his last legs that final season and and minutes well, even, down. and even in his final even in his final game uh, yeah. you know against okc he
1: played the whole fourth quarter and i remember uh, when pop met with us for the wrap up I remember going up and asking Pop. I said, hey, man, I was really stumped that fourth quarter. He said he, said he wanted to play. He said he wanted to play the whole fourth quarter. And didn't he play well? I said, man, he – he there was nothing left of the tank. And then who will ever remember what, him – I mean, who will ever forget him running through the tunnel and raising that index finger, the arm above his head. You knew it was over. That yeah. was it. And I, that, that, that was it and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, what a what – a, just – we were so fortunate. And to this day, to this day – let me throw this out at you guys. To this day, I know he's revered, quote, unquote. Fans love him and stuff. But I really think that there's still a lot of people here. I'm not saying they don't appreciate him. I just don't know if people really realize that for for 19 years, the kind of player that they had, you know, what I mean, yeah. it's, he was so good. You almost took it for granted. He was so steady and all that. And, and I, the thing about his game, too, that there was a beautiful simplicity to his game that was so different and ran so counter to what you have now, you know, guys beating their chest, pulling their jerseys up and stuff and all that. Tim just did it his way. Yeah, David, I think you hit the the nail on
0: the head there. Uh, It's easy to take it for granted when it seems so simple. You know, but yeah. he got there every day and did it, you know, his way, and he did it excellently. Um, he didn't try to be flashy or things like that. I mean, he he did hit some some pretty flashy shots. I think <laughs> back to the, the three pointer against the Suns to send it to triple overtime or whatever. Um, yes. I, going back to that 2014 season, even before they got to the dismantling of the big three. That last game against Oklahoma City Thunder, game six, is one that stands out to me uh, from all the Tim Duncan memories. I mean, he, it's a game that goes to overtime. They kind of had the jump on OKC in that series going in 2-0. So OKC was playing without Serge Ibaka. He was you know, injured. There was some concern that maybe he's not going to come back. He comes back. They even it up. Spurs end up going on to that game six, and there's a chance that goes to game seven, and the Spurs don't even get a chance to to redeem themselves against the big three. But Duncan took it on himself in overtime. He scored seven points that overtime. He finished the game with 19 points and 15 yes. rebounds, just a, a classic playoff performance from a guy who who wanted to redeem himself, who didn't want, like you were saying, Evan, that lasting legacy of, of he couldn't get there. He nearly did it. You know, there's a lot of conversation about that 2013 game six. Like what if Tim Duncan had been in there to
2: rebound, you know, and he was on a bench. The rebounder's on the
0: bench. Yeah. He didn't want to leave any what ifs in the
3: 2014 season. That really stands out to me.
0: I they're think, just,
2: yeah. They're just, uh, Tom, you go first.
3: Well, I like if, if we agree that 2003 was his peak as a player, 2014 was his peak as a leader and that that sort of speaks to his longevity and just the the overall dominance of his career right and it's not like he came in a bad leader you know he he came into that team and you know it was David's team but David was like oh it's gonna be your team real soon yeah and and from the jump he was the guy like the guy um I mean you know, rookie of the year, and then, you know, is, is not too long before they win a title. Um,
1: yeah, then after David left, after the, that 2003 2002 2003 season, Tim became obviously the undisputed leader. And then, you know, if you go back, every game he never left the floor until all the guys were, were, were off the court, and he always pat him about win lose or whatever. You know, he would just pat him on the back or whatever. You know, and all that. He was the guy. He was like the mother hand. You know, he was a shepherd. You know, he's a, he's a guy that, you know, and you, and you speak about David, that's the thing. I've had uh, talks with people about this too. I love David Robinson. Obviously, if it hadn't been for David, who knows where this franchise would have wound up. Great player, great guy. And he, and he went a long ways to setting the culture, you know, establishing the culture and all that. But people have asked me at times, who would I take? It's almost an unfair question because when you compare the championships, but I always go, and they go, oh, David's a great athlete. I said, well, yeah. I said, but, you know, I've always answered it this way. I said, it's basketball. It's not the decathlon. If you're talking about the decathlon, oh, give me David Robinson. Yeah, he's a hell of an athlete. I said, but it's basketball. I mean, he, Tim was so far ahead of uh, David, you know, when he was a rookie. And as good as David was, he went up and down that floor and, and and he looked like a young Bill Russell and stuff. But uh, Tim just, oh God, those moves, and that, that footwork, look at the footwork, look at the balance. You never caught him off balance. He always got what he wanted to do. Then how about the patented, Turnaround bank shot, unbelievable. I mean, that was a shot and stuff. So yeah, it's just, it's just unbelievable.
2: You you bring up David Robinson, but the fact is Tim Duncan really saved David Robinson's legacy because the whole thing about David Robinson was this phenomenal talent who couldn't win anything, and then Timmy comes along. '99 happens uh, uh, a year that was shortened by the the whole uh, the, the holdout, whatever. They only play fifty lock, lock, games in a lockout. lockout. Thank you. Um, and it's the only season, by the way, that Tim Duncan's team didn't win 50 in a regular season. Right. They won 37 that year out of 50. So uh, just to go his entire career, essentially winning 50 games no matter what. By the way, the Spurs, during that stretch as well, only mi- didn't make it past the first round four times. One of those times was 2000 when they had to hold him out and he got injured in the 78th game of the season. Um, you know, another time, what they lost to the Grizzlies in the first round, which was uh, you know, a, a grit, the grit and grind kind of team. That was like a weird uh, team to kind of play. But yeah, that, I mean, obviously disappointing. Um, you had during his during his tenure the Ray Allen shot, which took a championship away from him. I always wonder if they would have won in fourteen without losing in thirteen. But regardless, you know, we well, there, you, we
1: have people, I'm glad you said that, uh, Evan, because. Everybody always says, "Oh, that we could have won back to back." No, if they win in 2013, they don't win in 14. That's kind of a, a, the shadow hanger of the team. They never won back to back, you know, in 2006. I
0: don't know or- if they.
3: I don't know if they never win that 14 title, but I know it's not as special. You know, it, that that 14 title is so special because of all of the pain of of
2: 2013. Uh, then, the, then the Fisher. How about the, the .04 game? Well, that yeah. was the other one I was going to say. Yeah. Even so, here's the thing about a Tim Duncan's legacy: is that there are a handful of moments where you might have been able to tack on two more championships. Yeah, there yeah. some fluky Manu, things. That Manu fouling Dirk. Manu fouling Dirk is another one. I was yeah. yeah. So I mean, like there are like three distinct things where it's like, oh my god, like if if uh, uh, something like crazy doesn't happen here, something silly doesn't happen. Tim might have more to his resume. And not yeah. to mention, he came at an era which was great basketball. This was not a, a, a dormant era of talent. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the other thing is that during this time, it wasn't like he was just thrashing opponents without any sort of pushback. I mean, he had to go through the, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers as well. You know, yeah. Yeah. so, I mean, there are just, we can keep yeah. going from Shaq and Kobe Lakers to the big three that happened with uh, LeBron and them in Miami. So, I mean, just the consistency, like it, I can't stop emphasizing it because it is so nuts to me about what he did and what he did for this city and how he helped everybody along the way and how he never bailed. He never had any reason to bail, but after losing and losing, never, never, like always staying the course with the guys yeah. who were there. You know, people now, when things are going south, they leave and they get to a different situation. Um, he you was know. perfect.
1: Let's all agree, he was perfect for San Antonio, and yeah. San Antonio was perfect for him. I mean, small market. He's the kind of guy that he is. You know that. And, and, and I think it was, it was, it was, it was, it was just, it was just a perfect, uh, perfect situation for him. And and uh, golly, you, you know, we talk about his humility. Uh, I remember last week when I was talking to his college coach when he got uh, the John Wooden Award as a college basketball college basketball's top player his senior year, was, uh, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go accepting trophy. I mean, the award the, the in, in L.A., and, and his coach told him, hey, we got to go. You got to go. They expected to be there and stuff. John Wooden was still alive, for one thing, and stuff. And, and he didn't want to go because he said, God, look at this beautiful campus, you know, uh, Winston-Salem, obviously Wake Forest. I've never been there, but Dave Waddle was describing how beautiful it was and all that. But Tim didn't want to go, you know. And, I mean, how many guys are – I mean, he was just a very – uh with him, it was all about substance, man. You know, not forget about the style and all that kind of stuff.
3: Unbelievable. Although, although I think it is kind of a myth that he was boring. You know, like oh, he's no. like he's he's only boring if you don't appreciate good basketball. <laughs> and like it's it's not like he was all stoicism on the court either. Like there there was one ser like sequence in that game six last night that I was watching where he. Somebody else went up for a shot. It missed. There were a couple tip rebounds. He gets it up and you know, he's, he's, he's pumping his fist. He's, he's getting fired up. And in those moments he was fired up. He always had that, that competitor. I mean, you, you can't question his, his heart as a competitor. Um, he, he also he had was, the
0: humor too I mean it oh lost yeah, him this whole conversation guy. off the court on the, you know, he just won the yeah. bench with the uh, his teammates you know I remember I can't remember what season it was it might have been the 2014 or the 2015 season where Manu and Tony Parker and Tim Duncan had the cup game Yes, I mean, where uh, you know they try yes. to put the cup under them when they'd sit down on the cups uh, just a yeah. great moment there uh, even in, in retirement uh, you know he came back and pranked some reporters uh, in the first practice back after his <laughs> retirement he was going to come talk team. to us right exactly yeah <laughs> so, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a guy, I mean, off the court, even his backstory, you know, a, a, a guy who was on the path to be a U.S. Olympic swimmer, you know, uh, that's the path. And it takes a a, a, a hurricane going through his town in St. Croix to put him on and a path.
2: And his fear of sharks, by the way. <laughs>
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> he, he would, or or a, else he doesn't go to the NBA and stuff,
2: yeah. you know. I mean, if you any, and I'm asking anybody because we want to delve into it, but anybody who wants to read up on like his bio. It's out there just like him growing up and the the courts that he would play on and the chances that, uh, you know, Wake Forest had to take on him. And he he goes into the gym first day and like the star player Wake Forest at the time is like, this guy cannot redshirt. Like he is crushing us all. So, I mean, it just – it's really like just – it's pretty much insane what it took for this guy to be a superstar and understanding how late he got into it and how everything just fell into place for the city.
3: I I, uh, have been watching some time travel shows and the the parallel timeline where Tim Duncan becomes like a seven foot tall Olympic swimmer and just beasts on Michael Phelps like that's that is an alternate
2: universe. That is what you need to take away from this podcast today is that Tim Duncan saved Michael Phelps. There is no Michael Phelps. (laughs) <laughs> With that, exactly.
3: Michael Phelps That's has forty silver medals. If Tim Duncan <laughs> becomes a swimmer, like I have no doubt this in my mind, this is our
2: best theory to date. By the way, <laughs> I
1: love it. It's hey, well, big well, and I it's fun, fun. Yeah. If not, if not for just a, a chance conversation, if you want to call it a chance conversation, is how he got discovered. You know, quote unquote. There he is over there in the Virgin Islands and Saint and Cro- Saint Croix and stuff. He wasn't uh, swimming anymore. He was uh, playing basketball. And on an off chance, a guy that had gotten drafted. From Wake Forest, a guy think named Chris King. I think Chris was his first name. Uh, he had gotten drafted, and he went back to school. He was biding his time before he went to, to his first camp. And he passes by Odom's office. Uh, you know, Dave Odom, the coach. He said, "Hey, did you see anybody down there that we might have?" Uh, you know, he had gone barnstorming with some other you know NBA draftees to play you know this junior team go play some of these teams and stuff. And uh, did you see anybody down there that might it might be worth our time? And he goes, "Well, he was just skinny kid, this this tall skinny kid." that was uh, holding – I'm not saying, uh, you know, but he was holding his own against, you know, Alonzo Mourning and stuff, you know, and he was do- pretty good. And so, anyway, one thing or the other, no one knew about him, blah, 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 blah. And before you know it, the next day, Odom's assistant coach had gotten, a na- uh, had gotten Duncan's name, had gotten his phone number. And then one thing after another, and, you know, from there on, then Dave uh, Odom went down there to see him, and he's playing on the, on the outdoor court. That's where everybody played. They ball. They ball on that outdoor court there at St. Croix. And the rest, as they say, is just – uh You know, it's just history. uh,
3: One of my favorite stories is uh, when Pop went down there to like see him uh, and he was like, everybody's driving on the wrong side of the road. And I'm like, "Eh, eh, yeah. And then he realized he was the one driving on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) Uh, But like that that trip, they went down and talked about everything except basketball, you know, and that's just kind of who Tim Duncan is. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think he he
0: and Pop, we we mentioned the kind of perfect match they were in terms of what they built on the court, but off the court, such kindred spirits, knowing that the game is, you know, their life is bigger than the game. uh, And that's been reflected in Tim. I know after he's retired has, has put a lot of activism work into, you know, rebuilding his hometown after another hurricane, uh, bringing money to the Virgin islands and resources to the money uh, to the Virgin islands uh, at a time of need for them. Uh, And I mean, yeah, pops the same way. He's a guy who knows that life is bigger than basketball. Uh, I I think one of my favorite anecdotes between the two of them is that, you know, on the road, Popovich would bring him a slice of pie and leave it in front of his hotel room. You know, it's just the people they are, you know, it it starts as a joke. Maybe it's a loving gesture. Uh, I I think, I think popping the story to this day was like, I don't know. He just likes pie. But uh, it was like a character. I forget what
2: it was. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we were, we'll, we'll never see his. It's kind of, uh, you know, again, when, when, when you stop to think, uh, also, this tells a lot about him, too, that Odom, Dave Odom, his co- college coach, says he never really feared him leaving school early because he had told his, his mother, he, it's not like he had promised his mother, but his mother, who died of breast cancer when he was in high school, his mother, in no uncertain terms, told him that she really, that was her, her dearest wish, was for him to get his degree, for him to graduate. Mm-hmm. And he really, he, and, and Dave Odom said he never talked about it, but you know he was driven by that. Uh, you know, and he progressed toward his degree and he graduated in four years, for crying out loud. He was not gonna leave. He wanted to honor his mother's wish. You know, uh, his coach, college coach said that was very, very important uh, to, to him, although no one ever talked about it. He didn't talk about it, but you know that, that, that he did it. And that tells you a lot about who Tim
2: Duncan not only was, but the kind of guy that he is now. Yeah, for Yeah, sure. because uh, in 1996 actually was really the year where guys could kind of leave, you know. Uh, it was becoming in vogue to, to go or, go early and leave college early to the draft. And uh, to my knowledge, at Wake Forest, they were just like, you know, here's a press release saying you're going to the draft. Here's a press release saying you're coming back to school. And it wasn't even a thought. It was just like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm coming back. And it was like shrugging of the shoulders. And all this th- – I mean, here we are talking about um, – you know, there's no, there's going to be another player that's that's like Tim Duncan, or there won't be another player like there's Tim Duncan, uh, and and before we even started all this, um, Jackson, you brought up uh, when do you think the, the Big Three era kind of ended? Yeah. and Kawhi Leonard is sort of the the name that should have been the next Tim Duncan. When you met, I mean, when you talk about a top twenty-five NBA talent, I I've ever, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is creeping up the ranks. I mean, he's sort of top 25 five-ish, top 30-ish now ever. I mean, if he gets another championship, I mean, he's really ascending highly onto that list to, to where uh, if he were in San Antonio for his whole career, would have competed with that. And, and I think, honestly, him leaving and all that stuff, even beyond everyone kind of being gone, I, I think that was sort of the, the ending of the big three because it was such an ending to everything that has been piled on top of each other ever since David Robinson was brought into the fold. Yeah. And, you know, David Robinson was brought in, and as Flores said, he really brought substance to San Antonio and the team, uh, a franchise that desperately needed it after kind of squandering away in the 80s, and then uh, in the early 80s. And then uh, Tim comes in, establishes the presence, just pure dominance, has his you know his couple of Hall of Fame buddies riding alongside of him. And then Kawhi was the bridge. He was the big three bridge. and, and he, he
1: was not out of the same mold. They, they,
2: he was different than he, the other guys. Yeah, you know what so, it was
1: like? I've always thought, think about the Boston Celtics. and I love the Celtics. and their history and, and, and all that, obviously. Uh, but think about what would have happened after Dave Cowens, there came along a guy named Larry Joe Bird. What, what would have happened if Bird had left after one year, winning one championship and, and going, leaving? He bridged the gap. Then it became the Larry Bird era, and they're big three and stuff and all that without bird you wouldn't have gotten parish uh you know or mikhail and stuff so that was it he was not uh, he he did not fit the the, the mold he did he was uh, he was different you know Kawhi later was different and that's why uh, he'll continue to <laughs> hate to say this i don't like to be an instigator it won't be as bad but uh that's why whenever he comes back to town he's always going to get booed a little bit by fans and i mean throughout the whole game because of the way that he left you know and and uh he never, he never, he never bent it up to the bar and and explained himself, so to speak, for lack of a better expression.
2: Cool. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be. Speaking of like revisionist history, I'm very intrigued of when that's gonna happen, of how we're all gonna look back on it when it's all said and done, how fans are gonna treat it. But yeah, it, but but for me, that was just sort of. Um, you know, you, you think of this growing foundation of just the way you do things. And even if Tim and Manu and Tony weren't going to be part of the Spurs, you at least had Kawhi, who was going to carry the bridge. And then if you have Kawhi, you're obviously just going to get players to ride alongside of him because he's a championship-caliber player. That's, the t- you know, that's what happens in the NBA. It's not necessarily big market versus small market. It's where is the talent. And, yeah, big markets certainly have advantages in some places because they can attract free agent talent to come over but a guy like Kawhi would have brought in somebody in free agency which the Spurs would have splashed on which is why they got LaMarcus Aldridge when they did
3: we've been we've been talking about how there's never going to be another Tim Duncan and I think that you know that is part of where it went wrong with Kawhi it was just kind of like oh my god we found another one that was that was sort of the consensus was like you know that He's, he's the chosen one. He will, he will carry the torch. This is the one It's incredible that we found another, this is crazy. And you know, it was a little too good to be true. And um, you know, he, he became self-aware. He realized that any team that he was on was going to, was going to be a championship contender. And um, you know that, but I I think that definitely is kind of the end of that era because I mean, we're sure as hell not going to count Tony Parker, Charlotte Hornets, like, like Patrick Ewing on the rafters. No, that's not, like, yeah. After after Tim Duncan stopped playing, that's that's when that era ended you always want to be able to close the book on your legacy you always want to think that you've got a nice ending
0: to 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 wrap things up with uh when it comes to the end of your career or the end of an era and i think i mean the way it's playing out now is Kawhi kind of tore the pages out you know and so this is where it ends here um but for me sentimentally it wasn't until all three jerseys were in the rafters that you had tim's you had Manu's, you had tony's all next to each other side by side there it's like oh yeah this is over. It's over, and I think the yeah. the, uh, the the cherry on the top is dunking in the Hall of Fame. Are there any final thoughts here uh, as we celebrate kind of the big fundamental?
1: Well, are we going to be in Springfield later this? Year? Are we going? Uh, is I go? think hey, 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 go?
2: hey, hey, we I will. <laughs> I will
1: absolutely get on out there to
3: Springfield, Mass. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that, that remains to be it. seen. We'll have to we'll have to see. Uh, <laughs> Greg's
2: gonna be real. Call, of, call the Greg's boss. Get it in the budget.
1: One of.
2: I'll say this. One of, one of the most redeeming qualities about Tim Duncan, when you think about everything in perspective, and, you know, we didn't even spend any time running through his accolades because you can Wikipedia it and, and drop your jaw at that. But when you go to a casino, it is so hard to leave the table right before it heads south. And Tim Duncan, in his career, he, he left us with no image of his allure being gone. He, he left the table at the right time. You know, we have an image of Tony Parker in a Hornets jersey. Um, Manu kind of was close to that. Manu also, there were, you know, he could have played another year, but he was also losing a little bit. But Manu did also kind of build off that, that Timmy sort of deal. But, but for Tim, as I said, the, the year right before he retired, was an absolutely dominant year for him. And the amount of miles he, he racked up, the ability to just win year after year, somehow have better stats in the playoffs than the ones he was providing in the regular season, which were absurd as well. Uh, the defense that matched his offense, we all know everything offensively, but uh, he was just a thunderous force defensively as well. Uh, I think that, that is the biggest takeaway, and I think that's the hardest thing for any of us to do in life is know when to walk away when sometime and it could be in any situation uh, without knowing a hundred percent if it 's the right decision but just feeling like it 's the right time and, and almost all athletes push it until the bitter end you know even with Kobe in this class even with Kevin Garnett in this class I mean Kevin Garnett 's last couple seasons were, were so atrocious with the Nets there and, and, and Kobe. Kobe we'll tri- bankrupted
3: the Lakers.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kobe tried to, I mean, after his injury, you know, he there he is on the court just kind of throwing ice packs all over. And he had a great send-off game. But really, the end, I mean, the end of his career, the Lakers were terrible. He was he was not as good. Um, but there was – Jabbar stayed too long. He stayed and, too long too, to yeah. Hey, Everett, yeah. only thing I was
1: going to say, when you kept saying you got to know when to leave, you got to know when to get out, why did you keep staring at me, man? <laughs> I wasn't staring at you man oh, yes, you mean, were. I'm Come staring
2: on. at the same spot It's the Mona Lisa mean, I mean, Zoom meeting I mean, playing I mean, tricks I mean, on you I'm to, talking to Mr. Petrini over there yeah. 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 I'm yeah, joke. I, Petrini I should give a final word here right? I'm
3: just checking your bag man Come on <laughs> So I, I think the thing with Tim Duncan and ja- Jackson said this last night with that you know, quadruple double that wasn't uh, You know who cares the least about that? Tim Duncan Yeah um, Yeah You know,
2: like he had
0: um, had the trophy, he had the accolades, he
3: didn't need the the two blocks to to find himself along (laughs) as an individual, you know, and that extends to everything else about him. You know, like, like he's he's engaged in this community still, he gives out meals, he's like, you know, active, and you will never see a camera crew there, because he's never telling anybody, oh, I'm doing this thing. And it would be great if you showed up and gave me great press. He's not about that. He, he just does stuff. Um, and he does, he does stuff for this town. Um, and that's, that's pretty
2: dang cool. Dude. Tom is going to find the statistician for that game though.
3: Yeah, no, I'm going to track him down <laughs> gonna and have a word. Down. He's going <laughs> to hunt him down. He's going to hunt him down. No, no hunting, no hunting, just, just tracking. And then, you know, and
2: then having a, a, it, a thorough conversation. Right.
3: <laughs> right. If it, if it extends to something else, I can't control that, but, uh, it's it's funny because one of the blocks was credited to David Robinson. I'm sure if we reached out to him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, Tim can have it. I, I don't care. All right, Tom. Um, uh, that's
0: your next assignment. Get in touch with uh, David Robinson there. Get okay. that block back on Tim's. Uh, I'll, Tim's make, I'll make there. some calls. I'll make I mean, some guys, calls. I'll
3: do some digging.
0: This was a thorough conversation in its own here on Tim Duncan. A lot of fun to talk about one of the greatest basketball players of all time, arguably the greatest Spur of all time. You could put him up there with maybe two or three people. Um, but yeah, and I mean, this is arguably the greatest Spurs podcast of all time. So we appreciate you guys arguably. tuning in and listening to the You're big. So fun polite, pod. Jackson. <laughs> Who's messing with this? Let uh, me you know. I don't know then um, yeah, So, be sure to like us and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you may be listening to. Like us and uh, follow us on Twitter. That's at David Flores, at Evan Klosky, at The Real Time Petrini. I'm at Jackson Floyd Kins 5, at Big Fun Pod 2. Uh, no, set it's up a, a shirt. Set up a shoulder oh, shirt. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This yeah, is a, a, a custom-made shirt. shirt. I can't tell you who made the shirt. Someone near and dear to me, but I think it was illegal to make it.
1: I don't want yeah. to get it. Oh, okay. It's a,
0: uh, yeah, it's a celebration, and I don't know how, how the mic's going to pick this up.
2: Oh, I'm going to yeah. step away Gotta for a 2nd got to see it. Yeah. Oh. It's a nice shirt. Wow. That's a I, I love the years around the neckline. Yeah, it's got
0: all the championship years: ninety-nine, uh, two thousand three, two thousand five. Uh, yeah, just uh, it's my go-to Spurs shirt. and No one else has it, and makes me feel very
3: good about it. <laughs> one <laughs> of one, just like you, Jackson Floyd.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hey, we're gonna call it a wrap there. Thank you guys so thank much you. for joining Appreciate us. No, Appreciate you guys. Take care. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed hey it. You thank you, See you guys. nice thank seeing you. everyone here in the Zoom meeting.